Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Uh, it's been a while, but but we're, this is going to be an all-football episode, and it's going to be driven entirely by questions submitted by listeners. So it uh, should, be, should be a fun one. Got a, got a decent mix of different questions, and, and we're, as we start to get brush the dust off and get back into the 2022 season preview, I figured a a fan listener mailbag would a good way to kind of get things started, wet that appetite. Uh, and, and then we'll, we'll start doing these a little bit more regularly. So all listener questions and, and just to get started uh, the first two, we're going to kind of lump them together a little bit about the quarterback position. This one, one question comes from Dom DeLuca who says, do you envision the offense being more pass heavy without a power back like Haskins? And then the second one comes from Go Blue X Hookem, who says, "What's a decent expectation for Michigan to expect from the quarterback position?" So, Steve, I, I figure these are kind of similar. Michigan does have a pretty good run game, or lines up to expect to have a good run game in Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, but they return pretty much every receiver from last season. They Ronnie Bell is healthy. They, they we've talked plenty about the freshman wide receivers as well. And then of course there's still a battle to be won by, you know, either Cade McNamara or JJ McCarthy starting with the, the Haskins angle of the question, will Michigan be more pass heavy this season? And, and depending on that answer, what's a ballpark numerical expectation uh, that fans could fairly set maybe an over under type of number for this season from the passing game. Like an over under yardage wise. Sure. Uh, boy, I don't know more than last year because I, my, my answer would be, <clears throat> I would expect a more pass happy offense. Uh, one of the big reasons why is both of the running backs are really big assets in the passing game themselves. Yep. Right. So I would fully expect Michigan. Cause yeah, it's like, you say Michigan returns everybody. It's really, they almost like add Ronnie Bell because he was pretty much gone the whole season last yeah, he year. He was, he had one right? catch. Yeah. Right. So you're adding, you're adding Ronnie Bell. You're adding Darius Clemens, who looks like he's college ready right away. Um, Andrew Anthony is a guy that I've been super high on as, as kind of taking a big leap. Cornelius Johnson, to me, one of the most underrated players on the roster. And then Roman Wilson may have been Michigan's best receiver down the final stretch last year and then that doesn't even count Eric all who could be an all I think is going to be an all-conference player uh and Luke Schoonmaker again another guy who really came on late and looks really comfortable uh you know as as both a blocker and a receiver now so adding the fact that we you would expect Michigan to take a step forward at quarterback regardless of who wins right I mean JJ McCarthy yeah they're both back and have another year yeah it's a process you know yeah, they won uh, the Big Ten championship last year with Cade McNamara at quarterback. I don't. That doesn't mean that Cade McNamara is maxed out or has reached his peak necessarily. Uh, so whoever wins that job, you got to think Michigan will probably get even better quarterback play this season than they did last season. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a situation where you you play to your strengths, and and Michigan, you know, they doesn't mean they're not going to be able to run the ball effectively this year. They should be easily should be able to. I mean, they they return pretty much everybody up front, they might actually be a better unit this year. We'll see how uh, whoever wins the right tackle job does uh, for Andrew Stuber, but uh, Olu is in at center, probably going to be an improvement over Andrew Vastardis. 
and then everybody else is back. So, you know, they should be able to run the ball effectively, but yeah, just because they have so such a wide variety of guys, uh, I didn't even mention AJ Henning uh, as a guy, you know, who, who yeah. <laughs> AJ Henning was maybe one of the most targeted players in the spring game uh, in the receiving game. So yeah, just a, a, a true plethora, you know, some people overuse that where it's a, a true plethora of weapons uh, that Michigan can kind of throw at you in the passing game. So I would expect a much, not maybe not a much more. I mean, they still have that identity. I think they like to run the football. And again, Donovan Edwards, as great as he looked as a receiver, also, you know, as another guy primed to kind of take another step uh, in his ability to run the football. So um, more pass heavy this year than last, but not at the sacrifice of the kind of identity I think Michigan likes offensively under Harbaugh. Yeah, I think the you outlined there's there's almost too many pass catching options. I, I I'm I'll be honest. I'm I'm very surprised they didn't lose a receiver or a tight end to the transfer portal this spring. That's not to say that someone should have left or anything, but but in today's college football, I mean, you have 11 scholarship receivers and what seven scholarship tight ends. You just assume that someone's going to feel like they're, you know, if they're the third string guy or or whatever, like someone's going to feel like they can go elsewhere. And so uh, that's to Michigan's benefit, though, because, yeah, they are extremely deep at both positions. I mean, you, you know, it's it's incredible that one of Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson or Andrew Anthony is going to have to be a second stringer. And and you could. You could argue, you know, someone like a Darius Clemens might be on the third string at receiver. And, and so it's, um, you know, there's a lot of excitement about some of the young tight ends, but they already have two that are, that are pretty much every snap players in terms of their ability to block and uh, you know, make plays in the passing game. So I think, I think it'll be, I almost wonder if they're going to pass more just to try to keep everybody happy I don't I don't think that's always your game plan obviously when you're playing the best team you you try to win the game but if you're up by 15 this will be an interesting this is something I'm curious about because Jim Harbaugh typically when Michigan has a lead he likes to run the football yeah I think back to that 2016 team I don't think that was an especially great rushing team but they had so many rushing yards because they were just just had these comically big leads in every game and and then I think last year was another good example. It seemed like, granted, Hassan Haskins made that a very enticing option, but but you know it seemed like every time they had a lead, they were run very run heavy. I kind of think that might change this year. I, I don't know that it will, but I think because they have so many different receivers that that not not just to keep them from transferring, but also to help them develop because these. We, we just listed a lot of guys who could end up being drafted. And they're not going to get drafted if you don't throw them the ball. And they're not going to be their best, the best version of themselves if they're not getting game reps. You know, if you want them against Ohio State, you need them to have reps against Colorado State. I think they will be more pass happy. Now, now yardage-wise, because I expect them to win a lot of games convincingly, more so than than even last season, I'm... I'm not sure that they're going to throw for like 4,000 yards or, or, or anything like that. Plus they are, unless they make the playoff or the big 10 championship game, they are playing projected to play one fewer game this year. So yardage wise, I mean, my, my ballpark would be like 3,400. 
yards passing, maybe 35. I think that'd be a Michigan record. But also, it's the modern era of college football. The, the fact that Michigan hasn't thrown for 3,500 yards in a, in a year is, is more surprising than, than it would be for it to happen this year. So I think that um, I think they are going to be more pass-happy. Without Haskins, I also have to think red zone, third down. You'd especially see a little bit more. Maybe it's a screen pass to Corum, or maybe it's, it's a short pass to Eric All instead of counting on someone who is, who is so consistent at moving the ball forward in those short down or short yardage situations. Part of me thinks that there's still going to be a, a ground and pound team because, you know, that the offensive line, I, this is an offensive line built to dominate the run game. Watching uh, what I've been able to watch from Olu Oluwatimi, you know, knowing what I know about Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan, uh, even, even Ryan Hayes, I know he's not like weight wise. I don't think anyone's like, Oh, he's definitely a, a run blocking, but man, I, I love the way he blocks in the run game, the way he, the way he's able to, to you know, create those holes and everything. So I, I think they could get away with being run heavy again. But yeah, I think, I think with just so many receivers, so many tight ends, and, and not just a bunch of underclassmen. There's veterans uh, you know, across the board. They have years and years of experience. So I think they're going to have players who are, who are ready to make plays. I, I I think Michigan is embarrassment of riches is, is maybe, maybe that's a stretch, but, but as you said, a plethora, I mean, it just seems like they have so many, so many guys with measurable talent or proof on the field that are ready to, to produce. So I, I do think they will be a little bit more pass happy. Next question. This one comes from Phil, but not Martelli. So Phil, uh, asked, uh, after watching Hutchinson skyrocket up the draft board, I've been thinking about future Wolverines in the draft, and he challenges us to call our shot. Who on the current roster eventually gets drafted highest? What year-round pick do you project? So, Steve, if you don't want to do 2023, that's fine. I'm going to – I I don't like to think two years ahead of time, but who who on the current team do you think will be drafted the highest? I'm going to say it eventually ends up being Will Johnson. Shocking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, so here's my reasoning. I'd argue, I think we, I think I'm I'm not, I don't want to spoil your picks, but there's a pre like quarterback seems to be a little bit more of a premium in the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. If I was to say like, you know, maybe Blake Corum and or Donovan Edwards were like maybe the most talented guys on Michigan's roster running backs aren't being drafted as high as they used to be. Yep. Um, so I, I mean, that's kind of the angle I'm going with here. And I think the, the ceiling for Will Johnson's really, really high um, should be a shutdown corner for Michigan for at least a couple seasons. You know, I think as a guy that'll do enough to impress and, and get his way in the first half of the first round. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he's, he's extremely talented. He was a five-star recruit for a reason. Um, and then I think the one thing with him is, he'll get a lot of exposure. I, I, I don't think it's out of the question that he gets drafted or, or it's starting in year one for Michigan. So that's uh, maybe it's a steep comparison this early, but like a Derek Stingley type. I mean, he, he was able to scouts knew his name across the board before he was even halfway done with his freshman year. And that, that does help you um, get drafted. I mean, the more, the more you're known, the more, more likely you are to be picked. So I, 
I think that's probably in terms of the multi-year, that's, that's probably the correct answer. I think uh, another one that intrigues me would be like a junior Colson. And then, I mean, you talk about positional premiums. If JJ McCarthy emerges as a top five quarterback draft prospect, you know, the 2023 season have to think that would come in the top 40 picks. So Certainly there's a, there's a couple, I think 2024 and 2025 will be, will be interesting ones sticking to 2023. It, it's really just an interesting debate and it comes down to kind of who you think is going to, to blossom. I think the highest floor draft pick among Michigan's upperclassmen would be Oluwatimi. I, I, you know, he was, he got day three draft grades last year and this year I think, He'll be able to show it against more Big Ten opponents than ACC opponents. I think he'll have Michigan, clearly Michigan coaches have influence on NFL coaches, hence the the Wolverines draft success over the years. Mike Dana maybe would be like a like a more pro- polished, proven, and, and talented Mike Dana in terms of being able to rise up draft boards because of the exposure and the experience he'd be able to get at Michigan. But in terms of just kind of gut feeling, you, know, I, you, you bring up a good point about running backs. I, I just, I kind of think the way Blake Corum, can, you know, the burst he has, the explosiveness he has, I think the, uh, you know, he's a willing blocker. I think that's, you know, the short, shorter, shorter backs, I think that's often a, a weakness. You know, he's, he's strong. He's, he's per, pound for pound. Michigan players have, have said he's the strongest guy on the team. And that was that was last season when they had some pretty strong dude, you know, like a Hassan Haskins uh on 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 the team. So I and plus he can catch passes. You know, he's not he's not uh limited to one role. So I I kind of think Corum is gonna end up climbing into the top one hundred of the draft. I don't I don't know if he'll be a first rounder running backs. It's I mean you have to be all that in a bag of chips to be drafted in the first round. At, at running back these days, but top 100, I think he can. And then two players that I, uh, three players I'm intrigued by who I think could, it, you know, with a strong second season, I guess, as in, in the roles that they're in could climb up the boards, Mozzie Smith, DJ Turner, and Ryan Hayes. Those are, those are three names that, that I don't, I don't think they're top 100 picks right now. If the draft were tomorrow, but I think if they can have another strong all-conference type of season, I think that, that that potential is there. Also intrigued by by Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter. I think both of them, they weren't really thinking about the draft last year, and, and Zinter was too young anyways. But you know, if they if they produce on the offensive line yet again, I I think you know, NFL scouts will start to look and say, hey, this these guys have blocked some some pretty good you know, defensive linemen in, in the big 10 and, and, and have the requisite size and athleticism and, and power. So those are, those are kind of the ones I'm thinking of. I think Olu would be the, if I'm, if I'm gambling, that would be the highest one. But if I'm going off, off my gut or, or gambling less, <laughs> I, I kind of think Blake Corum has, has what it takes to, to rise up the ranks. Cornelius Johnson too. I, I, I guess, you know, I think the thing with him will be, you know, is there, is there a next step? Cause he had a very good season last year, both as a, as a pass catcher and a blocker, but I don't, I don't know that he had a, 
draft like scouts are drooling over him kind of season just because there's so many receivers nowadays. Uh, feels like there's there's like 20 receivers taken in the first five rounds these days. All right, we're going to hit a break on the other side. Got a couple more questions, including um, an over-under point total for the month of September, position groups we think are going to take a step forward, and stock buying or stock advice on some of the player, the rising players on Michigan's roster. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So quick fun one before we get to those last, last two questions. MC asks, how many points does Michigan score in the month of September? Or they will set the over-under at 200. So, Steve, they play Colorado State. They play Hawaii. They play Maryland. And I can't remember the third non-conference opponent that they play. UConn, UConn. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the first time that they've played no Power 5 team in non-conference since the early 70s. Uh, and, and certainly that, that feels like it's designed knowing that the Big Ten plays nine, nine conference games and knowing that the college football playoff really, I mean, I, I think they've ultimately gotten the, the field right, but you really only get one loss if you want to have a chance at, at making the college football playoff. And so easier non-conference schedule and then opening against Maryland, who I think, I think Maryland can be a good offensive team, but I, I don't think that they're going to be a particularly good defensive team. So Steve, I, I think I'm going to take the over on the 200. It's a really high number for, for just four games, but how about you? Where do you, where do you sit on this? I mean, it's, it's, it's a big opportunity for Michigan to make a statement offensively, you know, Sharon Moore, Matt Weiss, they're trying to prove themselves as play callers. We mentioned all the different pass catching options. You know, this is an opportunity for them to get, to get stuff on film, to get, um, you know, to, to get that game experience. And then they're also presumably going to run the ball because they're leading a lot. So part of it will depend on how many points Michigan wants to score. But I think that this, this is an opportunity for Michigan to really just put up some, some crazy offensive numbers. So I'm actually going to take the over on that over under of 200. How about you? I'll take the over as well. I, <clears throat> I think, you know, things have changed a little bit where I think you want to come out and just create an impressive perception for early season, like rankings and to, to position yourself. You know what I mean? I, I kind of think absolutely. there's yeah. really, to me, there's not a lot of incentive anymore to take the foot off the gas. The only reason would be to save your best players from maybe a, a dumb injury at the end of a game or something like that. But even guys that won't be starting for Michigan, there's enough talent there where they could probably keep scoring points against these teams. Even after maybe their tip top guys have, have hit the bench for the game. So I'm going to say over UConn's the other team. They play it's Colorado. Oh, they're State, the worst one. Yeah. They're Colorado the worst state, one. <laughs> Hawaii, uh, UConn, and then Maryland are their first four games all at home. Yeah. You would expect them to be massive favorites in all four of those games and in any if any of those games were close, I think it'd be a pretty significant surprise. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say over for sure, just because, like I said, I think I, I actually, you know, what really makes me feel more comfortable about that is uh, Michigan scoring that last touchdown against Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. You know, they had Harbaugh on camera saying, hey, we have a shot at number one. Yeah. 
right like he he understands the perception side yes like like it, it it wasn't so much it was not at all to stick it to iowa it was hey we maybe we can you know another touchdown will look better something just appear better uh you know let's let's score and, and and make it look even more lopsided that that'd be the reason why again none of these teams are really supposed to present any kind of challenge for michigan but just from a perception standpoint you you know you want to Basically, you want to get yourself as high as you possibly can. So if if you do stumble along the way, you can almost afford that stumble. You know, you, you don't you're not sitting at like 10 when you lose your first game and fall down to 19 or 20. Instead, you're sitting at like number three, you fall down to like nine. And, you know, you give yourself plenty of time in the schedule to move your way back up. Depending, well, depending on when you lose, but that that'd be my thing. So I think I'll take over as well. Yeah, the only argument I really have for the under is is do they try to keep because the offense will look different. I, I think a lot of it's going to look the same. There, that I don't think it's a major shift or concern that that you know they hired two internal people. But with Iowa and Penn State, Michigan State all looming in October, do they try to keep some plays under wraps? But I, I to me. I think that's that's a, that made more sense a few years ago. I think Michigan has too you know too many talented skill players, and I do think the perception because you know how many times when we're watching these uh, college football playoff ranking updates or whatever, and and whoever the commissioner is uh, is out there talking about what stands out about each team. How many times is top ten offense or scoring margin or you know, just, uh, you know, they're, they're number one in the country in scoring margin. Oh, they're the number five offense in the country and the number eight defense. Like, like these things, they shouldn't matter. It should, I mean, it it ultimately is going to come down to does Michigan beat the good teams on its schedule. But as, as you said, I think, I think you can create a perception probably doesn't hurt, you know, in terms of the fan perception and the recruiting perception, either if you're putting up, 55 points a game with with new offensive court or first year play callers and offensive coordinators so you know that there's there's a lot of incentive i think to to running up the score and and honestly they they should michigan we can call it like it is they they this is a very they chickened out of a tougher non-conference schedule you i don't think it's necessarily uh, a bad thing but you might as well make the most of it you know run up the score make you know, be a top 10 offense for the first time in like 20 years, uh, you know, and have fun with it. I mean, the players, the players want to score touchdowns, you know, call a game plan that, that produces that. All right. Next question. This one comes from Mamba, Michigan Mamba, who says, which position group do you expect to improve the most from last season? Uh, one on each side of the ball. And so, you know, there's, there's certainly, some position groups we don't expect to improve. I think defensive edge would be the would be the, the the big one, and and I think safety is another one that might. I think they'll be fine at safety, but but they are losing uh, two starters from that position group. But but a lot of position groups, I I think the arrow is actually pointing up almost everywhere else. And so Steve, I'll I'll let you get started. Well, we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. Which which position group do you expect to improve? the most you know, I, I think the more I think about it, the more I think uh, maybe not running back, but every other position group should be better than last season. 
Which one is the arrow pointing the highest on, on the offensive side of the ball? That's tough. Like you said, I think they, they should be, it's weird. It would be, I, I don't know if I could say offensive line cause they literally won the award for top offensive line last year. Um, but uh, I might say quarterback. I just think whoever comes out of that battle is going to be primed to have a really big season statistically. You know, if, if McNamara can hold McCarthy off, I think that's going to say a lot about, you know, maybe some improvements and strides that, that he's made. And I, and again, we talked earlier about, I think Michigan, just because they're so talented at the skill spots, I think are going to throw the football more. So I think by, by default, whoever wins that job is going to put up some, some really good statistics. So I'll go with quarterback. Like you said, I think another one though would be tight end. I mean, a whole season of Luke Schoonmaker, what we saw the last two, even, well, actually even the way Eric all kind of came on to the second half of the year. I mean, he was more consistent throughout, uh, but both of those guys really came a long way uh, in the latter half of the year. And I think, I don't know, Harbaugh would say maybe built up some calluses, right? I mean, I think that's one of the phrases he likes to use. Yep. Uh, I think a full season of those two guys, I mean, they're, they should be one of the better one-two combos in the country at the tight end position. And that goes without talking about guys like uh, Matthew Hibner, Colston Loveland's had a ton of hype as a true freshman. We know they like to travel four or five guys. So, um, you know, it's not just a position that's top heavy. Like they should have some solid depth there. Uh, this will be Hibner's third year. So interested to see where that goes. But yeah, quarterback tight end are kind of the two spots I think of. Yeah, I, I think the tight end one is is interesting because yeah, I think I think by the end of the season they were really good, but I, I don't think that they necessarily started you know, the tight end position started at on on a roll last season. So in terms of aggregate, like maybe statistical improvements, I think that that could be the win. I'm gonna go with wide receiver. This this feels like a a very, very good wide receiver room. And I, I think they were pretty good last season. You know, pretty much everyone had, you know, a, a, a breakout game, at least one uh, or, you know, major play in a, in a key moment. But yeah, this, now I think they're starting to, to finally shift toward top 15, top 10 in the country territory in terms of their wide receiver room. And, and so I don't think they hold a candle to like an Ohio State, but I think that in that in that second tier of wide receivers in the country. I think this is, this is a group where I think the arrow is pointing straight up Um, the way Roman Wilson finished the season and honestly played through an injury in a lot of ways. Uh, Cornelius Johnson continues to produce adding Ronnie Bell. You and I are both very much on the Andrew Anthony hype train. AJ Henning isn't going anywhere. Um, (laughs) Darius Clemens, I'm sure I just left out somebody. So, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's impressive. Mike Sainer still. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that like a senior and potential team captain <laughs> gets, gets left out in that in, in, in two year starter, I think. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really deep group, but I, I do think that there is a lot of, of reason for optimism. It's, it's not like they just have a bunch of guys hanging around. Like these are, there are legitimate, there's legitimate speed. There's legitimate size. You know, I think there's, there's true playmaking ability. And with the exception of Clemens, all of them 
got a lot of experience under their belt. You know, they, 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 they learned a lot last season. They, they went through the rigors, they, and they got a year better. I mean, not every player gets better year after year, but most of them do in college football. I mean, that's, it's just part of the part of the game. And especially at the receiver position feels like, feels like upperclassmen uh, with the exception of the true tip top recruits, upperclassmen are where receivers uh, really, really emerge. So I think the arrow's pointing really high there. I, I don't know where I would rank the group last season, I, but I, I think I'm much more confident that they're a top 15 receiver room in the country this year than I was last year. Um, and as you kind of mentioned, it's almost like they're adding, well, they are adding to the receiver room, but it, you know, they, they, it's almost like they get, they add Ronnie Bell. Uh, they add Darius Clemens to what it was last season. Defensive side of the ball, I think there's actually a couple different directions one could go. So, so which which position group is the arrow pointing up the most for you on the defensive side of the ball, Steve? I'm going to say corner. Uh, already talked about Will Johnson. I think Jamon Green is in returning is due for a bounce back. <clears throat> DJ Turner came on as a shutdown guy near the end of the year. I, I think they have some guys to work with there. I, I almost said linebacker, but I'm just still a little leery about Michigan's depth at linebacker. Uh, you know, we, we still have it. We don't know, don't know much about what guys like Jaden hood, Tyler McLaurin have provided that that position. I mean, you know, we expect junior Colson to take a step forward. Um, and, Nikai, and with linebacker, we, it's not, we did not hear a ton of the such and such as, really breaking out this spring. Like I didn't quite hear as much of that as I I would have expected. Right. You know, Jimmy Rolder didn't enroll until this month. You know, he wasn't an early enrollee. That could have been a guy that maybe could have gotten some PT. I mean, maybe he still could, uh, but you know, early enrollee gives you a better opportunity. So I'm going to go with corner just because I think that ceiling is higher. I think it it is. And I think it's driven by, Oh, and well, Mike Sainer still again, uh, look like he belonged at that position as well. So, you know, you talk about, your best recruit, best incoming recruit, uh, a guy who emerged as sort of a shutdown, like number one type corner, DJ Turner, and a guy, like I said, I think the coaches believe is going to bounce back in Jamon Green. Because I remember recording pods after the forgettable 2020 season and saying that we thought Jamon Green might have been Michigan's best defensive player uh, down the final stretch of that of that year. You know, so he's had some very positive moments and he wasn't he was still solid last year, but I don't think he played as well as he did the year before. I think they expect more of the 2020 Jamon green, uh, which I think would be a a big boost for a position that quietly always just seems to be kind of strong anyway. But I do think there's a little bit of a higher ceiling there for them. You know, this season. The the only reason for pause is, is um, one, I guess it's not a given that Jamon green will necessarily bounce back, but I, I I think I'm with you. I kind of, I kind of think he, he will in a lot of ways. Uh, and then we don't know exactly what Will Johnson looks like as a corner, you know, facing. I mean, even Maryland will provide a test for that cornerback room uh, with the way that they're able to throw the ball. So I'm going to go with defensive tackle. I, I, it, I know, you know, they lost Christopher Hinton. I know fans were, were um, distressed about that, but I, I think this is a really talented position group. I, I, I can't remember where I put them in my Big Ten po- or my position group power rankings in in April, but um, they'd be pretty high up there, actually, for me right now. 
I, I'm very sold on Mozzie Smith. You know, we talk about hearing about different players stepping up in the spring. Not necessarily a guarantee that they do in the fall, but they don't talk about every player. Uh, Mozzie Smith, I mean, he's getting the, yeah, he's he's a all-Big Ten type of player talk. And then I believe, you know, sometimes, Steve, you're the conductor on on you know, the hype train for some of these, these rising players. I believe I'm the conductor of the Chris Jenkins hype train, at least, at least in our neck of the woods, you know, as soon as Hinton left, I, I, you know, people were like talking about all the different transfers. I was like, I I think Jenkins is going to start over any transfer that they could land. Pretty sold on him. Are are you for real with that? I feel like I was like, I've been hyping up Chris Jenkins for like two years. <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually, I've been hyping up Chris Jenkins since I was in preschool. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. All right. All right. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you then. I, I actually, I want to see when we post on the board, I want to see if anyone comments on this. Cause I'm interested to see, I feel like, I feel like I was, uh, you know, I feel like that was me first, but all right. All right. We'll have, no, no, no. We'll let the people decide. I'm fine with either way. I think we both, to be fair, I think we both have been pretty high on him for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and he was a guy we both, penciled as like next at some point in the last few months um you know he was he was my player with the most to gain this spring or one of my players with the most to gain this spring um he's a guy I'm, I'm very high I mean just just his his strength to size ratio I know he's a little undersized for tackle at at 275 but you know he was benching about 200 pounds above his weight in high school and so it's um yeah, I think he's someone that can can really emerge. Has some family lineage doesn't hurt either. But yeah, him and and Mozzie Smith. But then I, I this spring I I came away very impressed with with how the other defensive tackles looked and and uh, in that spring game, you know, I, Rayshon Benny, not too surprised, four star guy entering his second season that that can be an opportunity for him. Um, you know, George Brooks, like I like the way. Uh, you know, he looked, I mean, he's not, he's not necessarily going to be a, a you know, 320 pounder at the nose, but you know, he can play one of those interior defensive end type roles like a Mike Morris or a Julius Welshoff. Although I guess Morris has moved, both of them might've moved to the edge actually, but you know, kind of one of those Chris Wormley types that can be inside out. And then Mason Graham, uh, you know, who I, I, I think everyone is very excited about, you know, based on how he played as a senior being named LA times uh, player of the year, but suddenly he he's in that spring game. He, he looks maybe not ready to, to go full stop, you know, starter level snaps, but he looks kind of, he looks pretty college ready for a, for a defensive interior guy. And, and so I think the biggest sign is that they, they added uh, a transfer from, from central Florida in cam good. And I, I don't know that he's going to be, I don't, I don't expect him to start, and I, I don't know what kind of role he's going to play because I think that they, they quietly have assembled a, a, a deep and talented defensive tackle or defensive lineman rotation. Not a ton of proof, I'll admit that, but in terms of improving from, from last season to this season, they were pretty good last season with Hinton and Smith, but I actually think that the, the arrow's pointing up in a, in a pretty significant way for the Wolverines at the, at the defensive line they're, position. They're pretty deep. Don't you feel like, I mean, that's, that's, what's kind of interesting. It's like they're, they're, they're not going to, there's, it's almost impossible. They'll produce the way they did at edge last yeah. year statistically, but they're pretty deep at that spot though. There's some, there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of snaps. There's six, six guys who I think 
right? I would not be like floored if they became starters. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, and, and I think what we could see, and I don't know if, you know, I'm, I got to think Hutchinson Ojabo made life a lot easier for the guys in the interior last year. I think what we might see the opposite this year, where I think Michigan's interior can create enough havoc to give these guys on the edge a little more, many more one-on-one opportunities, you know? Yeah. And so, so it, it, it's, it, it, there's always a yin and a yang there, um, you know, where Hutchinson Ojabo were good enough to where I don't think they, they were able to succeed without maybe a star studded or elite interior. But I agree, like the, the hype about Mozzie, I think Mozzie Smith's ready to really take a next step. The other guy too, he's still here. I still feel like they say good things about him pretty consistently as, as Julius Welshoff is still on the roster. And he's um, got measurable like speed agility times. Right. There's like they, it, they didn't reflect last season in his in his on-field performance, but there's an upside there for sure. There still is, you know, and and again, it, this is a guy who he's a guy who hadn't played like much, if any, football before he came to Ann Arbor. And and defensive line's one of those spots that it sometimes takes longer, particularly on the interior, it takes longer yeah. for it to click for certain guys. So you know, not writing him off by any means. And and you already mentioned Benny and Rooks. Rooks looked really good in the spring game. So did Benny, actually. Um, you know, but even at the edge, TJ Guy, Derek Moore physically as a freshman is a guy that looks like he belongs. You know, like there's just – it'll that's how they retool up front or how they find success up front is going to be really fascinating because I do – I think it might be an opposite effect of last year where I think – offensive lines or, or protections gonna have to collapse inside it's going to give those guys on the edge a lot of chances to at least force the quarterback into making some bad decisions I, I I agree I think that there's a lot of a lot of potential at that edge position I I think the two things giving me pause are one it's not a ton of proof I think I would argue Upshaw and Morris are the only two that, that have really shown it against Big Ten opponents uh with with any sort of regularity and then this year, I don't know if there's like a all Big Ten type of edge player uh, for the Wolverines, but but still, I think the defensive line is is in is in a good position, and and you know they might they might be able to change some of their schematics a little bit, um, you know maybe in a more favorable way to them if they can go with three you know big time off defensive linemen up front, uh, maybe one edge, and then can get a little bit more creative. So. So there's a little bit of versatility there. All right, last question. This one comes from the Wolverine Pulse. Uh, he says, interested to talk about the high upside fringe starters such as Braden McGregor, Chris Jenkins, Jaden McBurrows um, at the cornerback position. No, another guy who I think you and I have been been conducting that hype train. I We, we put the train on pause because he was injured all spring, but uh, <laughs> Benny, et cetera. So I'm going to turn that into a little bit of a question. If there is one player, let's do the, the, per, the classic stock game. If there's one player that you are buying low in hopes of selling high in, let's say, six months, it, you know, who, who would you buy? So it can be a starter. It can be someone who's good that you think is just going to be elite this year. Or it can be a non-starter who you think will be a starter and household name. Uh, or, or maybe a sleeper that, that isn't necessarily constantly discussed. And go one. We'll start with the offensive side of the ball. Who's if you were given 
you know, figurative stock to put in a player uh, between now and, and let's say October, who would you, who are you buying low and thinking that you're going to sell pretty high on? I'm going to go with Andrew Anthony. I just, he has all that stuff that you can't really teach. And uh, just think about, just think about the, the, you know, he had the big breakout game against Michigan state. Just think of the way he scored both of those touchdowns uh, for a guy of his size. First one catches a slant across the middle and just boat races every, like just explodes out of the gates and outruns like four or five defensive backs all the way down the field for a touchdown. And then he kind of did a classic Braylon Edwards, you know, for his second touchdown leap over the defensive back. That's just a variety. Like those are things that actually like he, to me, he has some, there's some Braylon Edwards in him. I feel like just be a matter of, does he not drop the easy passes? Um, You know, Braylon, I think, was a guy that would make some of the most ridiculous catches you've ever seen was sometimes a little inconsistent on the simple stuff, but it was still like maybe obviously one of the two or three best receivers to ever play at Michigan. But I just think they, they're very similar to me and, you know, they are super, super deep at receiver, but that doesn't mean that if an elite guy emerges that they're, they're not, you know, not going to feed that guy the ball. Right. I mean, that's, I think that's what you're hoping for, Uh, you know, where a guy has become so good, that you maybe you don't have to fret so much about keeping everybody else happy because it's a, it's known that this guy can make some big plays for you. I just think his potential is like through the roof. Cause you know, we, I always think when we look back at him as a recruit, I think a lot, the one question about him was like his ability to separate and his speed. And it was like, I don't know what, how that was missed in retrospect because you know, even the play against Ohio State, he didn't quite make the catch. But I mean, he ran. If right I remember, by. he just did not have any track times, and I think that 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 could be. I but think he, that's what a lot of evaluators use, like what's sure. your hundred meter. But sure. yeah, he he's got deceptively or not deceptively, he's just got great speed. Yeah, and, and the that he's got that gait, and he's got that length to just fly by guys. And uh, so I just think there's there's massive potential there, and and still, and again, like you said, like. You know, we're talking about a receiving core that's super, super deep, you know, but I just think he's got a chance to to make make some of the plays that nobody else on the roster can make at that position. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I like that pick. If I had if I had not given you the opportunity to go first, I probably would have said him. So, uh, you know, it, it, I guess I kind of hinted at, at Corum potentially being you're not buying him low, but you can sell him even higher. Uh, I think, you know, his yards per carry, his his efficiency, his explosiveness. I, I, I'm curious to see how Michigan, you know, moves on or, or operates without Hassan Haskins. But I, I feel like Corum, Corum, a thousand rushing yards has got to be one of the safest bets you could make uh, on Michigan's team. So he's probably one. If I'm going to pick someone else, because I think I think we were asked to. I'm going to try to pick one, you know, maybe fringe starter who I think could emerge. I think it's Trent a. Jones. I think that is a, a buy low, sell high player on the offensive side of the ball. If there was one, I mean, it's, he, he hasn't started much yet, but that's not, not for, not has nothing to do with his skill. They just had Ryan Hayes and Andrew Stuber for a couple of years in front of him. And, and I asked Stuber about Jones in 2020 and Stuber said, now, you know, it, it, 
bear in mind that he's played with some, some NF tackles who are starting or, or playing in the NFL. He said, Trente Jones is the most athletic offensive tackle he's ever seen. And then every time Jim Harbaugh mentions Jones, Steve, I don't know if you feel the same. I mean, it just feels like there's like that, that almost like the twinkle in the eye kind of tone. Um, because you know, I think this is a guy that, that has had to wait his turn, but was a, well, I think he was a top 150 recruit, four-star guy, you know, has the size, has the, the weight, has the strength. And, and according to all who have worked with him or alongside him or coached him, has the athleticism too. So I think he's someone, I don't know what, I don't have a bold prediction about, you know, what all Big Ten team he'll make or, or NFL draft or anything like that about him. But I think he's going to be able to fit right in on Michigan's offensive line and, and enough. And I'm confident enough that he's going to win the job that I'm, I, I buying the, the figurative stock on him defensive side of the ball. seems like, I mean, with seven departing starters, seems like you go in, in a bunch of different directions here. So I'm actually, I, I genuinely curious who you're buying low, selling high on, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Who do you got? Who's, who's your pick? Yeah, this was a tough one. Part of me wants to say Mozzie, but we've already kind of talked about him a lot. So just to talk about somebody else, I know he was injured this spring, but I'm still buying in on what Rod Moore uh, could potentially provide for Michigan at safety. You know, I, I don't think you can measure the value of a kid who comes in right away as a true freshman. And really, to be fair, not a not a heralded true freshman uh, by any means uh, to come in and, and, and look like he belonged as quickly as he did. You know, I mean, to, to a couple growth spurts, I think Washington, I think he gave up the touchdown pass, but was right there. Like just to get a kid that walks in right away and it just looks like he belongs, played really well against Ohio State. Um, I think let's say provided health. I mean, I don't think I don't anticipate any hiccups or anything. I think he'll be ready to go for fall practice and stuff, but um, you know, yeah, Michigan is obviously going to miss Daxon Hill and Brad Hawkins. Uh, but I really think Moore is a, is another guy that is Could give Michigan some, some really good football this year. And, and as a guy that has maybe because he wasn't around for the spring, uh, has still kind of been slept on. It's almost like the spot where people just, you know, Brad Hawkins was always slept on like every year. It's like, maybe that's just the spot where people yeah. just <laughs> sleep on the guy. So, um, you know, I'm going to say Rod Moore. I'm going to like, you're right though. There's a lot of different directions you could go defensively, which is says a lot about how Michigan's recruited and how they've developed uh, on that side of the football the last five, six seasons. Yeah. I think, I think Moore is a, Moore is a great pick. I mean, he was, he was very good last season, but I, I think, you know, because he didn't have the, I mean, think about how many top tier targets or, or very hyped safeties he beat out. And basically, I mean, it, it wasn't even a question by week eight of his true freshman season. He was, he was their starting safety moving forward. Um, so I like that pick. I'm going to, I, I probably made a pretty good pitch for Chris Jenkins, but I'm going to stay in the defensive backfield. And I, well, there's two that I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, McBurrows, I think the, I, I think I'd like to wait and hear, you know, post-injury where he stacks up in that room uh, before I buy necessarily, but he would be a good value. You know, I think there's a, a very good chance that he's a, he's a, a solid corner 
uh, this season. There was a lot of excitement about him. Similar excitement at, from a true freshman who didn't play a ton, in my opinion, to what there was about DJ Turner uh, when he was a true freshman. It, it felt it got similar, very similar tones about like, oh yeah, this guy, he's he's ahead of the curve. He was he's definitely a hit. But corner is not always a position. You know, Will Johnson might be the exception, but corner is not always a position where even if they really like a, a true freshman, they're not necessarily throwing him in the fire uh, in the middle of, of Big Ten season. So I'm going to go with the guy I think I think some people are, are a little down on based on how, how last season went. But R.J. Moten, I think, is going to be my buy low, sell high guy. I think his, his athletic uh, potential, his range, you know, how he can move. I think he's still putting together, you know, the, the pass coverage, just like Rod Moore. I think there were uh, you know, growth, growing pains uh, last season. But I, I think with, with maybe, you know, just a, a little bit more time and, and ability to, to, to develop some comfort, you know, getting that spring ball where he was really able to, to apply everything he learned last season. I think he's someone that's going to be really productive uh, for the Wolverines this season. And, and I, 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 I really like his ceiling. I think the, what's the phrase that was used from about him as a recruit, you know, the center fielder athleticism um, just feels like he's able to, to use his feet really effectively at that safety position. But, but it's just a position where sometimes if you're a redshirt freshman kind of being thrown into the fire, it, it's, it's not always going to come super easily there's so much you have to understand so I think this is a year where where he takes a step forward real quick real quick it doesn't have to be a long explanation because we've talked about them but among the returning quote-unquote stars of Michigan's defense Mozzie Smith Junior Colson DJ Turner who would you who would you put the stock who would you buy stock for right now in terms of ascending uh, even higher than they already are I'll say Colson it, if you're Michigan, it has to be Junior Colson, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Because right? they, they, he's, I think we said this in coming out of the last season, but I, it's something that hasn't changed in my mind is uh, he, you could argue he's the most important player on Michigan's roster this year just because they, I don't know where they go uh, at backer if something was to happen to him. Uh, they go south. If, right. You yeah. know, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him, not just to stay healthy, but to kind of take that next step. But again, inconsistent, true freshman, but still, you know, garnered all, pretty much all the true freshman, all American accolades. And as a guy, obviously looked like he belonged out there, you know, tantalizing potential at the position for sure. And, and it has a super high ceiling. So uh, I'll say Colson, I, I, because I really actually do. It's either him, like Turner kind of, got there or got became close to getting there all the way there last year. In my opinion, I think he's more of your, there's probably still some room for growth for sure. But like, I just think he's already close to being really reliable and, and just a, a top level type player. I think Colson has another step or another gear that he can get to at that spot. So I'm going to go with him. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater, but I, I'm, I, some of, the development that I, you know, because there were some legitimate areas where he could improve. I thought he had a great freshman year. He was a freshman All-American. But I, I some of that I want to see before I necessarily forecast it. I know, I will say, players and coaches 
consistently view him as Michigan's he's going to leave Michigan as its best linebacker since Devin Bush. I mean, that is, that is the consistent tone from players and coaches that he is, he is the next great Michigan linebacker. So if you believe in that confidence, that's, that's a good pick. And you're right that the price, the stock price is probably lower for him than like a Mozzie Smith. I'm going to go with Turner though. I think he, I think he's the most underrated player on the team. I think, some people acknowledge, you know, what, what, what he accomplished last season, but Steve, this is, this is maybe a, maybe, maybe a hot take. I don't think Michigan beats Penn state or Ohio state last season without DJ Turner. That is my personal opinion. And I, I, I don't think as such, I, I don't think he, that's always said. And so I, therefore I think he's the most underrated player on the team and I'm going to buy Stock on him. I, I of, among those three, that's the guy who I think will will elevate the most from you know what he is now to being household name, star of the team, face of the team, um, type of player. So was not perfect last season, but but boy, he was he was very good. Um, and even that Maryland game, I thought he had a great game against a good passing offense. So you know, I think I think he really really helped Michigan out. Anyway, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much to, to the listeners who submitted questions. Uh, I think our hope is to get pretty con- back to the consistent football podcast grind. Be sure to check out all of our stories, including some football preview content coming in the next couple of days over to michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. There's also uh, recruiting starting to, starting to pick up. Uh, you know, And then obviously basketball, just had a couple of players drafted. There's some, some roster changes, so there'll be stories about all three topics and, and plenty more over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Thanks so much for listening. This was the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast.